Hello, everyone, and welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson, and in next week's episode, we'll be talking about the NFL and what's going down there. We will be discussing Jack's Pack. We will also be talking about the college football playoff. We will touch on the NBA, and we will have our best for last. Now, remember to follow the social media handle at JTime Sports for breaking news, updates, and highlights. And that is on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show. We have an absolutely loaded show. I thank you guys for joining me on your New Year's weekend, uh, taking time out of your day to hopefully enjoy family, uh, stay safe, stay maxed up, vexed, all that good stuff, and joining me on a beautiful New Year's Eve um, and New Year's weekend in general. We have an absolutely loaded show today. We've got the NFL. We've got our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. We have the college football playoff starting today. And we have some NBA talk, and of course, as always, our best for last. But let's jump right into the M- the NFL, rather, and talk about what's going down there. We had a great week last week. Uh, first time of no Thursday night football. So, you know, the past few weeks we've been leading with Thursday night football. But, of course, we will not have that uh, this week. We did not have that this week, so we're going to jump right into last week's games. And we're going to jump into a game that I thought was a little weirdly covered. It was Arizona and Indianapolis. And this game was interesting because it was two teams going in opposite directions. Obviously, we spoke about Indianapolis still having an outside shot, very outside shot at this point, of catching Tennessee for the AFC South. And then you look at an Arizona team that three weeks ago was 10-2, riding high. Um, Kyler Murray was not yet limping. DeAndre Hopkins was not yet out. Um, And they were a very good football team. But they've lost their last three, including last week to Indianapolis. And they're going in two totally opposite directions. And we've seen this with Cliff Kingsbury coach teams. And this has happened at the college level and at the NFL level. Weeks one through seven, his win percentage is in the 70s. Um, And then after that, his win percentage is in the 30s. Um, It's two totally different teams. Teams, I don't know if they get the playbook on them. If his situational awareness goes in the tank. Um, I know what's happening in the NFL. It's, It's Kyler Murray's injuries. Um, his rookie year in 2019, he finished season limping. Last year, he finished the season limping. Past few games, he was limping. Now, last week, he wasn't limping. But now DeAndre Hopkins is out. The ultimate security blanket, my best receiver in the NFL. And, and that's a debate. Him, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, uh, Michael Thomas went healthy. But if you look at it, this Arizona team schematically looks lost without DeAndre Hopkins. They look like they're not depending on anything in, in particular. Uh, I thought Zach Ertz would be a bigger part of the offense by now. Um, I get learning that offense and Cliff Kingsbury's offense is not the easiest thing on planet Earth by any means, but he's a tight end. Uh, a lot of his routes should be tagged or could be tagged rather, you know, bang eights, um, deep crossers, curl routes, little smoke tight end screen situation. I thought he'd be a bigger part of the offense, especially with D-Hop out. Uh, Christian Kirk and the rest of that crew, you don't really have any one-on-one beaters specifically, especially if you can roll coverage to a guy like Christian Kirk. Um, AJ Green is not what he was five years ago. 
Um, so I thought Zach Ertz would be a bigger part of the offense, but he hasn't been so far. Uh, the run game has been hit or miss. Um, James Conner seems to be that run game. Uh, the backup, Kenyon Drake, I think it's Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds, one of the two. Um, he's playing good football, but they play, they run the ball a lot better with, obviously, James Conner in the game. He missed the game against the Colts. Uh, and the Colts have a good run defense. The Forrest Buckner, Darius Leonard, we see how much they take pride in stopping the run. We see it on hard knocks, how much pride they take in coming up and fitting in the run. Um, that front seven has a lot of pride. Even that back four with Kenny Moore and the rest of that crew have a lot of pride in stopping the run. And they make sure they did that. Kyler Murray scampered one time, but they chased him down. Um, who knows if Kyler was feeling something while he was running. Um, again, he was limping two weeks ago. So who say he wasn't still feeling some effect of it last week? I've never seen him run down before. Um, so that was the first time I thought he was gone. Um, and then on the Colts side, Carson Wentz came to play. You have an MVP candidate behind him and Jonathan Taylor. Um, absolute monster. I think Derrick Henry would be running away with the MVP if healthy, but he is not. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is the one good back, upper level back that hasn't sustained an injury. Um, I mean, let's start from the top on down. Derrick Henry still out with his broken foot. Nick Chubb missed games. Calvin Kamara's missed games. Zeke has missed. Well, Zeke has not played well in certain parts of the season. Christian McCaffrey barely played at all. Um, and so Jonathan Taylor is the first upper level back, the only really upper level back to not miss a game this year due to injury. Um, and so he is reaping the benefits of that. The Colts offensive line has been shuffled around due to injury. Jonathan Taylor keeps on chugging. Uh, Carson Wentz, like I said, played well. Uh, proud of him. You guys know I'm a huge Wentz guy. I've been that way since he was drafted, really. And so it's good to see him now playing on a, playing on a team in a good situation where he can continue to to elevate his career. Uh, Frank Wright went and got him. And he spoke about that on Hard Knocks as well. The GM called, said he got opportunity to get him. Frank Wright jumped all over it because he coached him in that 2017 would have been MVP year where the Eagles couldn't win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Um, and then Frank Wright left. So did Carson Wentz's ability to win games in Philly. Now he's back with uh, Frank Wright and they're winning games in Indianapolis. And Sands a couple of bad nights against Tennessee probably have won this division like I predicted before the season started. Um, but again, things can change. Tennessee can lose their last two. Indy can win their last two. Indy wins the division. Um, but big game, huge game. Um, the Cardinals are slumping. They went from 10-2 with a one-and-a-half one basically game lead in the division. Now they're hoping the Rams lose games because the Rams control the division now. And then for the Colts, they win one of their next two and they're in. It doesn't matter. They went from one and four, and now they're going to get in the playoffs. And I spoke about it. Um, kind of funny. Somebody just liked the tweet where I said they had to get the five and five to have a shot, and they got two five and five, and then now they're one game from um, making the playoffs. Arizona conversely is in the same way. Arizona has an outside side of the division, but they win one game. They've been in this spot for a few weeks win one game and they're in. So this is two teams where they know they win a game and they're in. Um, it can change their entire outlook week 18 in terms of resting players, getting healthy, etc. Uh, before the wild card round starts. And a game, same day, remember they played the Christmas Day special games, a game that was very intriguing, shockingly, was Green Bay and Cleveland. Um, at no point I think Cleveland was going to win the game. Baker Mayfield ensured that. But the game was a lot closer than I expected it to be, um, especially when Aaron Rodgers marched down the field, first possession touchdown. The defense held Rodgers to 15 points the rest of the game. Um, 
and honestly the Packers were were helped tremendously by Baker Mayfield's inability to play quarterback effectively. I don't know if I have to write the letter to Kevin Stefanski. Should I tweet him? Should I add him on Instagram? Facebook him? Maybe. Do I have to tell him that Baker Mayfield is not the guy? Or does he know already? Because Baker threw four picks. He should have honestly had six or seven. Um, Single-handedly is the reason why the Browns didn't win. And Okay, I can't give Baker all the blame. I can't. That'd be irresponsible of me. Kevin Stefanski, you get the other 50% of the blame for trying to make Baker Mayfield the hero. The Browns were averaging six yards a carry, give or take. I mean, it might have been more. They were running all over the Green Bay Packers. And every single time they would get in a big spot, third and one, third and two, it felt like they were dropping back to pass. They would run... Four carries for 40 yards. I mean, just running right through Green Bay. Three straight throws. Punt. Why? Why are you doing that? You are running with an efficiency. They, sorry, I have the official numbers. The Cleveland Browns ran for 8.8 yards a carry and only ran the ball 25 times. That should have been a 35-40 carry game. It didn't matter who was running. Nick Chubb. Her 17 carries for over buck 20. Dearness Johnson had a great game. It did not matter who was running. They don't even have Kareem Hunt. It didn't. They were running right through the Green Bay Packers. And Kevin Stefanski trying to be a hero, I guess. I'm not sure what his goal was in this. Tried to make Baker Mayfield the guy. Baker in turn turned into a bakery with all those turnovers he had lying around the field. Uh, Rasul Douglas is one of my favorite stories in the NFL this year. Um, bounced around all kind of teams. Finally, uh, due to injury and COVID, the Packers signed him from the Cardinals practice squad. His first big play is against the Cardinals. Remember the interception to give the Cardinals the first loss. Um, and he's been, he's in like he's got a pick or a pick six every game since. Absolutely, like I said, one of my favorite stories in the NFL so far this season. Um, he's done great uh, for the Green Bay Packers. And Aaron Rodgers continues to show why he potentially could be the MVP. Um, Tom Brady, in my opinion, has the best story because he's a 44-year-old um, Tampa Bay. He's never he didn't miss a game. He's gonna he's gonna lead the league in passing yards. Um, but some of the throws Aaron Rodgers makes is ridiculous. It, it's to the point where I was talking to a couple of friends last night, and they were saying he can't believe those throws are open. Like though that's not possible. It was a throw. He threw it across the middle of the field to Valdez Scantling, and. The line, it almost hit the linebacker in the shoulder, and it was a perfect ball right behind, right to Valdez Scanlon, who never broke stride. And it's just like, there's no way you throw that. Like, no other human throws that pass. Nobody even thinks about it. And he fits it in perfectly to Valdez Scanlon. It's some of the throws he makes is just ridiculous at this point. Um, absolute all time arm talent. Uh, he broke Brett Favre's passing touchdown record, and Favre had a pre-made video, which ended with "Go get us another Super Bowl," um, which is the goal for Aaron Rodgers. He wants to get that one seed. He wants to try to fix some mistakes he messed up last season, getting the one seed and not winning uh, the NFC Championship game against Tampa. Um, so he wants to fix those mistakes. He would love to do it against Tampa. He'd love to do it over Brady. That's the guy he's been, in, whose shadow he's been in his entire career. Um, understandably so. Brady was three-time Super Bowl champion before Rodgers took a snap in the NFL. 
He's since won four. Rodgers in that time has won one. He's only been to one. Brady's been to six. Um, he's been standing in Brady's shadow his entire career. He would love to be Brady to go to the Super Bowl to get the his second Super Bowl in the Packers uh, fifth as a franchise. Um, so that would be monstrous for him. And then looking at the Cleveland side, you have to make a decision on Baker Mayfield yesterday. Either he's going to be the guy and he's going to be the guy to lead you somewhere. I'm not sure where. Or you're going to make the decision. Or you already made the decision. And you're going to move on. You're going to try and make the trade for Baker. You're going to try and make the trade for Deshaun Watson. If he's not in legal trouble, you're going to try and make the trade for Russell Wilson. If he becomes available, you may take a look at Jameis Winston. If the Saints decide to move on, um, you may trade Baker Mayfield to the Texans for a pick to try and draft a quarterback. But you have to make a decision. Nick Foles could be available, but you have to make a decision on Baker Mayfield sooner rather than later. Um, because to me, people in the NFL know if you're an accountant in an accountant firm, you know who's the best accountant in the building. If you're a baker or a cook at a, at a restaurant, you know who's the best chef in the building. If you're a football player, nine out of ten, you know if the coach's strategy has at least the team's best interest in heart. You may not know what's a better option, but you can look and say, us throwing the ball isn't working. We got 8.8 yards of carry, and yet we're throwing the ball three straight times and getting it picked off for punting. Like, you know when that's not working. So, he's gonna, the fans is going to have to make a decision whether he's going to continue to ride the Baker Mayfield train. I suggest he gets off at the nearest stop. and Or whether he decides to get off at the nearest stop and move on at the quarterback position. The Cincinnati Bengals continued their dominance of the AFC North, absolutely thrashing the Baltimore Ravens. Again, again, for the second time. It was 41-15 the first time in Baltimore. It was 41-21 the second time in Cincinnati. Um, Joe Burrow threw for 525 yards. Um, top 10 passing up performance. Top 5, I believe, passing up performance in NFL history. Um, and, of course, you know what did I hear from Ravens fans? Or Lamar supporters. Well, Lamar wasn't there. Lamar didn't play. Lamar didn't play corner. Um, they have injuries. So does everyone. Joe Burrow with an absolute dominant performance. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and I'm not. I'm not looking at it from the Ravens' perspective. They have had injuries, including no Lamar. No, no, no Tyler Huntley. Even he tested positive for COVID um, and had to miss the game. So they had Josh Johnson at quarterback, but I'm looking at it from the Bengals' perspective, and I, I spoke about it last week. Confidence is something that is very hard to quantify. And what I mean by that is they have now swept the Steelers and the Ravens in the same season. Say what you want. Say that the Ravens were injured, which is true, but it's the NFL. It's a contact sport. Things happen. The Steelers are fairly healthy. Now, this isn't the 2012 Steelers, but you know what I'm saying? The Steelers are fairly healthy. And the Bengals, the Bungles, with the cheapest owner arguably in the NFL. Uh, I think he is the cheapest. I think Paul Brown's the cheapest owner in all the NFL. Have swept the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Ravens in the same season. And not only swept them, blew out the Steelers and the Ravens. Ravens twice in the same season. That's a level of confidence not only for the players, that's a level of confidence for the fans, that's a level of confidence for the organization. Because now it looks like we can hang with those guys. We now have shown both of them 
we can beat you. And not only beat you, destroy you. Um, and look at the Bengals. They have a cheap owner. So they have a window. They got Joe Burrow, rookie contract. T. Higgins, rookie contract. Um, Jamar Chase, rookie. Joe Mixon's already been paid his uh, money, I believe. The offensive line is young and unpaid. They're going to have their own draft pick. So they're going to have be, they have the opportunity to add another starter to this organiz, uh, organization, preferably on the offensive line. The offensive line is not bad. It's a very average offensive line. But if you can improve it, why not? They also, need, they can also use a linebacker, probably another corner. Um, but their offense is set for years. Zach Taylor is a good young offensive mind. Um, so their offense is going to be set for a few years. And if the owner is willing to pay money, it could be set for a decade. You could be looking at Mixon, Burrow, Higgins, Boyd, Chase for 10 years. You know what I'm saying? If, if they if they really decide to go all in um, and pay, which is something. Again, the Bengals owner is cheap. So who knows if he's willing to do that? But if they, go, if they go all in, you could be looking at a very dominant top five AFC offense for the next decade. The only only call would be if Mixon's health. So you might need another back in there with him. But Joe Burrow and that trio of receivers plus Mixon, I'm going to say a decade, no less than seven years, can just absolutely dominate the AFC. Because with, I mean, that's like, think about it. The Chiefs don't have that. Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. That's it. So they got the best tight end in the game, top three quarterback in the game, and a top ten receiver. That's it. They don't have a. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Helaire says a top half running back. I guess. Miko Hartman's a solid receiver. They're trying to throw the ball to Josh Gordon. Like it's, you know, that's not a lot in Kansas City. Joe Burrow is a top ten quarterback. People are putting him in the top five. That feels a bit high. He's definitely top ten. Jamar Chase is a top 15 receiver. T. Higgins is a top 15 receiver. Joe Mixon's a top five running back, five to seven running back. And you got Tyler Boyd, who's a very underrated top 25 receiver. You got three of the top 25 in one position, a top 10 in another, and a top seven in something else. That offense has the potential to be absolutely monstrous for years. I'm not talking one season. I'm talking a run where we're looking at the 2000s Colts or... You know, those 90 Cowboys offenses where they were just running people off the building. That's what the Bengals could do to people. Um, so I'm very excited to see their progression um, as an offense. Hopefully the owner decides to pay. The GM is look like he's pretty smart. He made the correct decision of Chase over Sewell. Um, and so he drafted Joe Burrow. One, when Chase over Sewell got T. Higgins. Um, signed Trey Hendrickson. So he's doing a pretty good job at GM. Hopefully they keep that train going. I'm very excited to see where the Bengals go from here. The next game was the game of the weekend in terms of importance, Buffalo and New England. It was effectively the AFC East title game. Uh, It was like New England wins. They would be a 99% chance to win the division. Um, basically, it was over. And if Buffalo won, it was like 84% chance or something like that. They would win the division. So it was basically the AFC East Championship game. Winner has a shot at the one seed, outside shot, at the one seed. But they're definitely going to be a top two or three seed. The loser is, a, is presumably the fifth seed in the AFC. Um, and having to go on the road to... Who the AFC? Who be the AFC fourth C right now? Um, potentially Kansas City. 
or you could look at whoever wins the North, so Cincinnati. As of right now, the Patriots are the fifth seed, and they would go to the fourth seed, Cincinnati, um, to open the playoffs. Um, it was a great, it was a great game. It was a great game. It showed the two different styles. Josh Allen, obviously, is an MVP level quarterback, um, and so the Bills lean into that. The Patriots have a rookie, so we leaned into the run game. Uh, they leaned into playing a great defense. The Bills was playing opportunistic defense. The Patriots was playing bend don't break defense. So it was very interesting to see the two clashing styles. Uh, Sean McDermott clearly wanted to go out and prove a point. Um, you know, like I said, we I've, I've laughed about it for a couple of weeks. Is that he wanted to not give Bill Belichick extra credit? Um, and then got embarrassed against Bruce Arians, and then. You know, you turn right around and you look at um, New England played a very conservative style. Um, now it would have made a difference. Damian Harris is there instead of putting all our Mondre Stevenson shoulders, maybe. Um, but there was the same Bills defense that got run over and out of their own building by the Patriots. So it's very interesting to see how they were able to adapt and adjust. Uh, but the Bills did win the game, so they now possess the all these tiebreakers in the AFC. Now here's the catch twenty-two. It would have been mathematically impossible for the Bills to catch the Patriots had the Patriots won. They'd have been two, three games up with two left. It's over. Um, but the Bills simply have to to win the AFC East. Went out. They end. They end with the same record as the Patriots. They own all the tiebreakers. They're good. They went out there in, um, and they 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 close with the Falcons and the Jets. So presumably, if you're a Patriots fan, myself included, you're the biggest Falcon fan on the planet. Falcons fan on the planet uh, on Sunday. For the Patriots, they finished with Jacksonville and the Dolphins. Jacksonville's a win. Let's just be honest. Uh, rookie quarterbacks versus Bill Belichick do not have success, especially with a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who I believe has not thrown a touchdown in two and a half months. Um, and then Dolphins, streaking Dolphins. The first team in NFL history to have seven, seven, a seven-game losing streak and a seven-game win streak in the same season, which they have now accomplished that. They were 1-7 at one point. They won their opener versus the Patriots. Lost seven straight and then immediately won seven straight, which is an insane thing. And they currently sit in the playoffs as well, um, or right outside the playoffs. They're hovering around that seven seed. But then, you know, the Patriots have a very interesting game in Miami to close the season. It's been unseasonably warm. So the Patriots come from Boston, go to Miami. Um, could be a situation there. But, you know, the Patriots are in a spot where Buffalo loses to Atlanta, which depending on what Atlanta team shows up, is very possible. Buffalo loses to Atlanta. Now New England wins out, and they're the AFC East champions, presumably the three seed at that point, um, and would host um, whoever the sixth seed is at the moment. So huge game in the AFC East um, that went Buffalo's way. And then there was a series of blowouts. Um, Kansas City blew out Pittsburgh in a game that was over in the first quarter. Um, 36-10, I believe, was the final score. Absolute annihilation of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now Big Pens talking about retirement. It was it was that bad. He deserved to. Dallas uh, beat the Washington football team the same way Alabama would beat Panera Bread State. 56-14, um, to 14, I believe, was the final score. It was a destruction. It, would, it could have been a lot worse if Dallas was aggressive. They could have scored 80 in this game. Um, Washington showed little to no effort except when fighting each other on the sideline. Um, so Dallas took advantage of that, destroyed Washington football team. Um, absolute embarrassment for the city of Washington, D.C. And the Miami Dolphins trounced the Saints uh, behind an amazing defensive performance, uh, torturing rookie quarterback Ian Book in his first start. 
Uh, Tua Tagovailoa did enough to win the game, especially with Jalen Waddle, and the Dolphins trounced the Saints on Monday Night Football. But up next, we're going to stay in the NFL, but shift to this current week and talk about some huge games that are going down there. guys and welcome back into the show and now we're going to jump right into this current week of the nfl which used to be the last season of the week of the nfl um my entire life but now they've added week 18 so now we're going to jump right into week 17 coverage of the nfl and of course my big game of the week is the kansas city chiefs and the cincinnati Bengals. i remember i spoke about that confidence thing earlier I said, man, the Bengals have loads of it right now. You know, they swept the Steelers. You sweep the Ravens. You know, you're sitting there in a position where you have the chance to cement yourself as arrived. You got Kansas City. You have them at home. Patrick Mahomes, first three years of starting, has been AFC Championship game appearance, lost basically on offsides, Super Bowl championship, Super Bowl appearance. They've run the AFC since he has showed up. Joe Burrow, that's who you got to go through your entire career to get where you got to go. This is your first crack at them. You got them in your building in a game that basically means nothing. Think about it. Kansas City. I mean, Kansas City could lose the one seed in theory. Um, they could lose to Tennessee. Uh, New England also could catch them. Buffalo has a shot at them. But Buffalo can't beat it because they beat Buffalo already. Um, but no, they could, in theory, be in jeopardy of losing the one seed. But Cincinnati can't jump to one. So there's no threat there. For Cincinnati, it means a lot in terms of keeping the hold on the division because their magic number for their division is one. They win one game and they have the division. They win one game the rest of the season they have the division. Why? They outright swept uh, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and Cleveland can't catch them. So they just need one win the rest of the season to win their division. Huge game for Cincinnati. But in terms of the total picture of the AFC, eh, not that big of a deal in terms of Kansas City and um, Cincy because Cincy is two games back from Kansas City. But why this is big is it goes to that confidence thing. Cincinnati could wake up Monday morning owning two wins against the Steelers, two wins against the Ravens, and beating the Kansas City Chiefs. You want to speak about confidence going into a playoff run? And that's officially we can beat anybody. Because, yeah, you can discredit the the Baltimore wins. They weren't healthy. You can discredit the Pittsburgh wins. That's a 500 football team. Beat the number one seed in the conference. Even if it's in your building, beat them. That is massive. And I think they can do it. The, the Cincinnati Bengals offense of line will be tested. That Steve Spagnuolo loves to blitz and he loves to isolate offensive linemen, especially if he thinks one is weak. And I spoke about this to a few people who've communicated in and out. The Bengals as a unit, not bad. They're a very average unit. When they can block together, when it's five against four, even five against five, when they can switch off stunts, stuff like that, good. They're good at that. 
their trouble is when you can individually isolate one of them on a pass rusher. Pretty much any of them. The left tackle can hold his own. The right tackle solid. If you can isolate one of those interior three people on a pass rusher, that's when things get spooky. Chris Jones, keep his name in mind, could have a huge game. If they can isolate Chris Jones on one of those guards or the center, they're going to have a massive issue in Cincinnati. Um, because he can disrupt not only the pass game, he can disrupt the run game. He can get himself isolated on one of those three. And I'm sure Steve Spagnuolo will send blitzes, send different kind of looks at Joe Burrow to try and make sure he can't get one of those great receivers, one of those great weapons we talked about earlier, down the field. Flip it to Kansas City. Their offensive line has its moments. It has its ups, it has its downs. And one thing Cincinnati can do, they can create pressure, especially with Trey Hendrickson. They can create pressure. They'll they'll dial up the blitzes occasionally um, to heat up a quarterback. Now Mahomes against the blitzes, outlandish, and how much you want to blitz with Travis Kelsey and Ty Hill on the field, I'm not sure. But they'll dial it up too, and they'll get home. Um, and I think the goal for Kansas City should be the goal for Cincinnati rather should be the same goal Kansas City has. Try and get one of those offensive linemen for Kansas City isolated. Again, as a unit, not bad. They're solid as a unit. They can do, they can switch off and help each other out when they need to. That's great. Isolate one of them. There's not really one strong, strong offensive lineman there. Um, they, had a, they had a COVID situation on their offensive line, so I'm sure they're not practicing as a unit. Orlando Brown's become kind of a disappointment. Um, there's really no dominant offensive lineman on the team. No one you can look at and go, he's a Pro Bowl level player. Um, they spent a lot of money on their center. He's been average. I mean, he's been a, he's, he's been a good center, but he's not been road grading people necessarily. Um, and so that is a big situation. This game is not in Jack's pack. We will pick it. I'm going to pick the Bengals. Um, I'm going to pick the Bengals in this game for a few reasons. Here's one of them. Uh, the Bengals have a chance, a really good chance, at is a confidence game. Kansas City's not overlooking the Bengals by any means, but the Bengals have something that the Chiefs struggle with, the ability to get down the field and attack. If they can make Ty Matthew a safety instead of an inside linebacker, they have a very, and I do mean very good chance at beating the Kansas City Chiefs because what do you want to do with the Chiefs? You want to get to those safeties. Juan Thornhill can play. Dan Sorensen is an opportunistic player, but he can be had, especially in coverage. And so I think the Bengals are going to win this game in a very high-scoring game, 34-31, um, where the Bengals and Evan McPherson walk it off with a field goal uh, to beat the Chiefs in a game that would be massive, like I said, for the confidence of the Cincinnati Bengals. A big game in terms of potentially wild card seeding or wild card even making it, uh, staying in the AFC, shifting, uh, shifting a little bit to the West. We got the Las Vegas Raiders um, going to the Indianapolis Colts. Now, this game has a lot of intrigue for a lot of reasons. For one, Carson Wentz has tested positive for COVID. He is unvaccinated. Now, three days ago, that meant he was out. He was out. Not only this game, but he's a good chance he may miss week 18. He he made Aaron Rodgers it when he comes back that Saturday, like right before we you know, right before the game. Um, but with the new CDC guidelines, he is you can come back after five days. So the CDC quarantine is five days, the NFL follows suit, um, and they made their automatic out period five days. Then you have to, you have to test your way back in. He tested positive on Tuesday, which means he can test his way back on the field Saturday. 
I don't believe he can test on the field Sunday. I'm not sure about that, um, but I know he could test on the field as early as Saturday. If Carson Wentz plays, the Colts win this game. Period. It's not even. I mean, that's, they'd have the better quarter. They have the better quarterback. They have the better coach. They have the better defensive players. They have the better team. Damn sure the better running back. If the Carson Wentz can play, the Colts win this game. I believe. I believe the Colts might win it without him. The Raiders, conversely, cannot lose this game or their season is over. And if they lose this game to a Carson Wentzless football team, they may as well not even show up for Week 18. They'll be done as a unit. Um, the Raiders have a lot of pieces. Not really a team, but they have some pieces. You look at Derek Carr at quarterback, Hunter Renfro at receiver, Josh Jacobs at uh, at running back, um, Darren Waller at tight end. You've got uh, Zay Jones. I like him at receiver. You've got Jonathan Abrams at safety, Max Crosby and Carl Nassib at pass rusher. Uh, so they've got some pieces. Now, they don't have a cornerback I can name. I don't know any of that offensive line. Um, Gabe Jackson, I believe, is there. So I mean, Richie, Richie Incognito still playing. Um, I can't name any of that offensive line, but they have a solid football team. Um, a team that early in the year was looking at playoffs, and then they weren't. And then the Gruden stuff happened. Then they were. Then now they aren't. Um, so they beat the Colts. They have a really good chance. Of, they have a better, much better chance of getting in the playoffs. Lose to the Colts, and it's over. Um, for Indianapolis, that match number's one. One win, they're in the playoffs. From one and four to their one win away from the playoffs. Um, absolutely massive. It's been great watching it on Hard Knocks. Uh, watching how they went from, I mean, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't have the first five weeks on there, but they got them pretty much, and they were starting to even up the playing field to get the five and five, and. Or four and six, five and five, whatever, whatever they, which one of them they were, and it was great to hear them speak about how every game is a playoff game. Basically, you know, they have to work every single week because they were behind. They put themselves behind the eight ball. They lost a the game to the Rams. They shouldn't have lost. They lost two to the Titans. Um, probably they shouldn't have lost either. Um, and so, you look at this Colts team again. It's not in Jack's packs. I am gonna pick it, and I'm gonna pick it contingent on Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz plays. Colts win by seven to ten points. Um, Carson Wentz does not play. Raiders go into Indianapolis and steal it to keep their season alive by about three points. So this game is very Carson Wentz health dependent. We should find out more about it tomorrow if he tests his way out of protocol. He is an unvaccinated player, which is the reason why it's five days instead of just 24 hours. Because um, a vaccinated player, you could test positive on Tuesday, back-to-back tests on Wednesday, and be on the field Thursday. Um, because, but because Wentz is unvaccinated, he is um, forced to sit five days regardless. So he could be testing negative already and he's waiting to sit his five days. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens there. Shifting south and conferences, massive game in the NFC. Uh, we spoke about Arizona earlier, streaking in their own direction. They're going to face one of the hotter teams in the NFL, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Um, last year, these two teams met. Kyler Murray had an absolute field day in Dallas, back basically his own stomping grounds. He won multiple state titles in that stadium, and it was like he was competing in another um, Texas 7A state title as he ripped and ran all over the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Cardinals ran for 230-something yards, um, including Kyler Murray got on the act with a rushing touchdown. And Dallas was 
at that point a little lost coaching wise and culture wise especially defensively and it showed against the uh, Cardinals they were flying all over them, looking like a trapeze circus act um they were going all over the place Christian Kirk had a big 80 yard catch and Chase Edmonds broke a long one and it was just you know you just had guys like a trapeze act flying all over the place um all over the Dallas Cowboy defense but this is not the same Dallas Cowboy defense or the same Arizona Cardinals offense that was there last year um D Hop made one of the bigger plays in the game he's out presumably out to the NFC Championship game possibly even the Super Bowl if the Cardinals were to get there that defense last year did not boast Michael Parsons for the Dallas Cowboys it did not boast a defensive coordinator in Dan Quinn uh, Mike Nolan was the DC at the time um, it did not both the attitude and the swagger that is with this football team. This Cowboys defense is real. Um, Micah Parsons has a chance to be the first rookie since Lawrence Taylor to win defensive player of the year. This defense is real. Um, but you look on the offensive side, I believe that the Arizona Cardinals have a chance to have that defense. Here's why. That defense is real, but they're opportunistic. Trayvon Diggs has 10 interceptions. He's also given up more yards and more touchdowns than basically anybody. He is feast or famine. Um, Micah Parsons is either having a great game or he's quiet. He's feast or famine. DeMarcus Lawrence is the same way. This defense will give up 35 one week and 10 the next. Um, so it depends on if that Cardinals team starts rolling. Kyler gets some of his Allen High uh, Jojo back, his, his mojo back, and starts to roll. What does the Dallas Cowboys defense do in response? Dan Quinn usually doesn't adjust. If he's rocking cover three that game, he's rocking in cover three. If he's having um, Diggs follow, Diggs is going to follow all game. If you know He doesn't really switch up his defense. So if the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury can figure it out and get on them early, Dallas could be in trouble, especially because Dak Prescott is like 20-something and one. We ain't seen run from more than 100 yards. The Cardinals can stop the run. They get sideline to sideline very well, and they know how to clog up the middle. So this is going to be a very interesting matchup. Um, this game also is not in Jack's pack. I'm going to pick it. I'm going to say Arizona gets the upset. Now, I don't love that pick. Yeah, I do not take that pick to my bank, but Arizona magic number is one. It was one like I spoke about for a few weeks where they win one game and they're in the playoffs. So their magic number is one. Um, if they win this game, they're in, and I presume if the Rams win, they might sit people. Uh, they might, you know, Kyler take the bench and those guys to get them healthy uh, because they pretty much be locked in the fifth seed. They could, in theory, catch the Rams, but more than likely they'd be locked into the fifth seed. And so at that point, it would be um, smarter probably to rest starters and get guys healthy for the playoff run. Um, Minnesota at Green Bay was a huge game until – about an hour ago, uh, hour and a half ago, Kirk Cousins popped positive for COVID. So Sean Mannion, who just came off the COVID list today, um, presumably will get the start against uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers and Lambeau. Um, right now, the betting line's at seven. If you can get it at seven, hammer it at seven. If it's up near 10, 11, probably stay away. But if you can get it at seven, hammer it at seven. Uh, Green Bay is going to win this game. And I had Green Bay winning this game before Kirk Cousins um, went on the reserve COVID list. But now I definitely have it now that it's Sean Mannion. Uh, Kirk Cousins plays well against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers really well against them, actually. I had Green Bay eating it out. Um, 
but especially now with Kirk Cousins being out, uh, kind of neutralized the Justin Jefferson thing. Kind of putting a lot on Dalvin Cook, um, and so I'm gonna have Green Bay winning this game comfortably, 30 to 17. Um, that's being nice, Sean Man, giving him the 17. I expected his game with Oregon State, but um, or maybe, maybe, maybe Mike Zimmer goes Kellen Mond. Maybe. I doubt it, because Sean Mayne has been hired and Kellen Mond on the depth chart all season. But Kellen Mond was on the COVID list. He got the reps this week. He got the practice this week. He got to see this week. Sean Mayne was virtual. We're on the COVID list. So maybe he throws a wrench in there in Kellen Mond. If it doesn't matter, I'm picking the package either way. But it would be a little more intrigue if it's Kellen Mond instead of Sean Mayne. Because Kellen Mond was picked in the second or third round, presumably as the future successor to Kirk Cousins. So... It's definitely been something to keep our eye on there. Uh, and then a few divisional situations happening. Cleveland's paying Pittsburgh. Now, Cleveland Pittsburgh, as a conference as a whole, pretty irrelevant. Because Cleveland can't catch Cincinnati, so they can't win the AFC North. Pittsburgh, in theory, could. Since you have to lose both, Pittsburgh have to win both. And then Pittsburgh could be the AFC North representative. But it is interesting, however, it is very interesting in terms of the wild card. Winner has a shot. Loser's done. So if is if Pittsburgh wins, Cleveland's your season's over. If Cleveland wins, Pittsburgh, your season's over. It is a very interesting situation in terms of the wild card picture because both of them kind of need they both need the win um, to have a shot at the wild card on, in week 18. And this game is in Jack's pack, so I will not pick it, but it is a very intriguing uh, matchup. You've got Baker versus Ben, two embattled quarterbacks. Ben's on his retirement kick. And I always tell you guys, Ben has one of the best. Ben his own PR team. I think Aaron Rodgers has a great PR team. He spits messages to his friends in the media. They spit it back out to the public, and he looks sympathetic and soft and sweet and nice. Um, but Ben does his own work. And when Ben's slumping, what does Ben say? Oh, I might retire. Oh, this. What was it this week? Oh, yeah, it definitely feels like this could be the last. It's definitely feeling like this could be the last one, meaning his last home game in Heinz Field. And he said, oh, I mean, we got a playoff game here. But he's 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 tap dancing around retirement again. It's feeling very Brett Favre-ish at this point where Brett Favre retired, unretired, 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 retired, unretired, until the Packers finally said, forget this. We got Aaron Rodgers. You can go. Leave. Bye. Um, the Steelers, however, thanks to Big Ben reportedly, do not have a guy that can say, you know what, Ben? Forget it. You want to walk? Go. Um, and so, yeah, of course, he's tap dancing around retirement. But and then on the other side, you got Baker. He doesn't have a contract extension in his hand. Reportedly, there's no rush to do so. So there is a lot riding on the hottest season finishes for Baker Mayfield. He could move up eight, nine million dollars in salary, or he could move out of Cleveland. Um, so we're definitely going to keep our eye on that. And in the AFC East, they aren't playing each other, but these games are massive. Buffalo hosts Atlanta. Buffalo plays Atlanta, uh, rather. Buffalo wins. The AFC East is over. They will be the AFC East champions because then at that point, um, there's no path. Well, no, they won't be over, over, but they'll play the Jets the next weekend. It'll basically be over. Um, and then the New England Patriots are playing, are hosting Jacksonville um, before playing before playing Miami. So New England is their magic number for the for the playoff spot is two. They need a combination of 
wins and losses. So losses by the Dolphins, win by the Patriots. The magic number is two. So if it's two Patriot wins, you automatically get a Dolphins loss. Patriots win. The Dolphins lose against the Patriots or against the Titans, and the Patriots win either game. The Patriots are in. Um, Dolphins losing both. Patriots are in. Um, so that's what the Patriots are looking at right now. For the division, the magic number is three. The Bills have to lose one of their next. The Bills have to lose one of their last two. Patriots have to win both of their last two, and the Patriots get the division. Um, so a lot of different scenarios. Arizona can clinch with a win. Uh, Indy gets in with a win. Cincy gets in with a win. Um, New England gets in with a win and a little Miami help. Uh, Buffalo gets in with a win and a little Jacksonville help. Um, and then, of course, the big news was the CDC reducing the quarantine period down to 10 games. Um, now that it's been reduced down to 10, or reduced, not 10 games, sorry, reduced down to five days, rather. Um, now it's reduced for five days. You can now test positive, like Carson Wentz did on Monday and Tuesday, test out of it by Saturday and play on Sunday. Um, so that was a huge for the NFL, the NBA, college basketball, college football. Um, I wonder if Texas A&M, could these bowl games get played in college football if um, they have these new guidelines, but unfortunately we will not know but up next we'll be shifting to our nfl betting segment jack's pack guys and welcome back into the show and now we're going to jump into the nfl betting segment jack's pack now i told you guys i'm gonna get back into the flow i'm gonna get back into the flow had a rough few weeks coming out of that bell curve it wasn't great however last week i went four and one um bringing our total to 39 and 41 we are here under 50 percent uh remember professional betters want to be around 55 to 57 percent um if you can achieve that number consistently you could be deemed what they call a professional better um as it sits right now we're at 48.745 five percent so basically 49 percent like i said a hair under 50. um and i feel really good about the numbers this week as well vegas went through a weird stretch the nfl went through a weird stretch but now everybody seems to be coming back to level coming back to where it's easier easier to achieve um, prediction, correct predictions. Um, I'm going to jump into my favorite number of the week, um, which will be Rams at Ravens. Uh, Rams minus four and a half. Take the Rams. I don't know why this game's four and a half. It was eight and a half, nine. I consider Baltimore, or maybe not even touch it. Look, four and a half. We saw what the Ravens just looked like. Tyler Huntley presumably is back. Lamar Jackson's a game time decision, although he practiced one day and that day he was limping. So let's just say it's Tyler Huntley. Let's say it's Snoop Huntley. The Rams, you just saw what the Bengals just did to the Ravens secondary. Sean McVay's probably been licking his chops all week because he can deploy Odell. He can deploy Cooper Cup. He can deploy um, Gerald Everett. He can send those running backs out. He's been licking his shops all week, and Baltimore doesn't have a pass rush to speak of at the moment. I don't know why this is four and a half. I don't know how the Ravens score enough points. Lamar's not playing, 
Snoop Huntley, I think, is going to play. And if it's not, it's Josh Johnson. We've seen how that went last week. Um, yeah, Rams easily cover the 4.5 here. Hammer this while before it jumps to 5.5, 6, or even 7. Um, Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh plus 3.5. Take Pittsburgh. I believe Pittsburgh wins this game outright. Um, I thought that was an interesting line that uh, Pittsburgh was the underdog here, especially at Pittsburgh. So you're telling me Cleveland's a touchdown better than Pittsburgh? I don't think so. Um, I think Pittsburgh wins this game outright. Baker Mayfield has a turnover problem. Pittsburgh likes turnovers. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, and the rest of that crew will be very active. Um, the offensive line for Pittsburgh will be tested uh, against Miles Garrett, of course. Um, but I think Pittsburgh wins the game outright. Although they would win it close. I, if they were three-point favorites, I wouldn't touch this game. But they're three-and-a-half-point underdogs. So I've got the Pittsburgh Steelers winning the game outright, uh, 27-24. Detroit plus seven at Seattle. I've got Detroit. I I'm not sure they win the game, but I don't think they lose by more than a touchdown. So I've got Detroit here. Uh, Seattle's reeling. Their offense looks broken. Uh, Russell Wilson looks like he could be playing his last few snaps as a Seahawk in that stadium. Um, and the Lions fight every single week. It does not matter who their quarterback is, whether it's Jared Goff, whether it's not Jared Goff. Uh, they blew out the Arizona Cardinals. Now they get a chance to play a Seattle team that is absolutely reeling, that's losing pieces on defense, that's losing like heart and determination um, and want to at this point. And so I've got the Detroit Lions uh, plus seven at Seattle. Denver at Chargers. Chargers minus six and a half. Take the Chargers. Um, I've got the Chargers in this one because as I have learned and gotten burned by, the Chargers are up and down. So they're great one week. Bad the next. Great. Bad. Good. Awful. Great. Well, they were deplorable last week. So I, I expect great. And I'm in six and a half versus the Denver team starting Drew Locke. Um, I don't see how Drew Locke scores more than 17. So you're telling me Justin Herbert can get to 24. Even on a very good Denver defense, I just don't see how that works. Um, I'm sure Drew Locke gives up a pick six. To Chris Harris Jr. or something, and then um, the Chargers just find a way. The Chargers find a way. Austin Eckler came off the reserve COVID list. Um, Keenan Allen obviously still there. You got the rest of that crew ready to go. Jared Cook um, ready to play as well. And so I think the Chargers win the game by more than a touchdown, which would cover the six and a half. So Chargers minus six and a half over Denver. And then a number that I am picking that I have a lot of confidence in and normally I would not do is Jaguars at Patriots. Patriots minus 16. Take the Patriots. I have never successfully or I've never picked a number this big rather. Uh, 16 is a massive number. Um, and I am going to go with the Patriots and have a lot of confidence. I picked that. I think I think I picked Rams over Texans minus 16 and a half. I believe that was a number. So I picked the number this big, but not with this much confidence. Um, Trevor Lawrence not throwing a touchdown pass in two and a half months. Um, so throw no touchdown passes against a motivated, focused, and probably pissed off New England team. I mean, no touchdown passes. You may sneak a run in there somewhere, so you might get 10. So that would mean the Patriots have to get 27, um, which Jacksonville doesn't have a good defense, so I expect them to get more than 27. This could be one of those Jet Memorial 48-10 to 10 kind of games. 
Um, but I've got the Patriots here minus 16 over the Jaguars. So to recap, I've got Rams minus four and a half over the Ravens, Pittsburgh plus three and a half over the Browns, Detroit plus seven over Seattle, Chargers minus six and a half over Denver, and the Patriots minus 16 over the Jaguars. Now up next, we're going to shift to the college football playoff and talk about what's happening today. Welcome back into the show. Uh, the college football playoff starts today. Um, you've got Alabama, number one, versus number four, Cincinnati, and number three, Georgia, versus number two, Michigan. And one of the expected few last times, it's only a four seed. Uh, we discussed multiple times. The playoff will expand, whether it's eight to 12 or eight or 12. Um, they will happen due to a more schools wanting their players not to opt out. For instance, the Fiesta Bowl uh, last night featured Pittsburgh and Michigan State. I did not watch it because Kenneth Walker opted out for Michigan State and Kenny Pickett opted out for Pittsburgh. So the two Heisman finalists for each team were not there. Why? They were going to try the national championship game. The Fiesta Bowl really only benefits the school. Both players opted out, expected to be first-round picks, um, so they were protecting their draft capital. If that game was the first round of the playoff, I can assure you neither one of those guys opt out. I can assure you of that. Um, and so more schools are trying to prevent situations like what happened in the Fiesta Bowl. It was a good game. From what I read, it was a good game. Um, but with no star power there of note, um, I'm sure the ratings were a lot lower than expected. So it's going to be 8 or 12. The main beef is the automatic qualifiers. Um Who's going to AQ in whether every power five conference will get one, whether it is every power five conference with a certain record. Um, does the group of five get one in? Does the group of five get two in? Um, do they get in? How does the at-large bids work? You know, is it purely off the rankings? Is it some kind of voting system? You know, it's all kind of things worked out. But the main holdup is who automatic qualifiers in, um, whether it's every big every power five school, the top three ranked power five schools or power five champions stuff like that um is the big decider because what if i spoke about um because situation happened during the COVID year usc was undefeated um going into the game the the pac-12 championship game oregon had three or four losses were unranked and beat usc in the automatic qualifying situation oregon would go play in the playoff now you probably be the 12 seed and get blown out by the one seed but they would represent the pac-12 in the playoff USC would not get in and they had a much better year all season. So that's kind of where um, the discrepancy could lie. We see a lot of times where Big Twin, Pac-12, Big 12 title games are between a top five team and a team in the 20s because one division is way stronger than the other. Um, and so that situation have to resolve. But speaking on the playoff as it currently is and what it is happening today, um, Alabama opens it against Cincinnati at 2.30 Central Time um, in a game that is a 13.5 point spread and I think Cincinnati covers it. I don't know if Cincinnati wins. It's going to be hard for me to pick against Alabama against Cincinnati, but I think Cincinnati covers it. Here's why. 
The quarterback matchup is a lot closer than people think. Bryce Young would probably be the first quarterback off the board if he was eligible this class. He will be the first quarterback off the board next year. But Desmond Ritter, if he played at a Power 5 school, is probably a Heisman finalist. Now, he was not a finalist. He played at Cincinnati. A little bit of a bias there. But he had a better year than Kenny Pickett. And he is carrying a lot less talent than Kenny Kenny Pickett is. Um, Bryce Young, we know Bryce Young is. Heisman winner. He's the projected number one overall pick next season. He's probably the number one pick this season if he was able to come out. Um, But the quarterback matchup is incredibly, incredibly close. Cincinnati has very real defensive backs. Sauce Gardner has never allowed a touchdown in his college career. And the other DB, uh, Kobe, is A, wearing eight in honor of Kobe Bryant in the playoff game. And he's a really, really good defensive back. First round grade as well. First, second round grade as well. Two really good DBs for Cincinnati. They both can play man coverage, elite, elite level. And Bama's down. Remember, they do not have John Mechie. Um, so they're down to one real superstar receiver with two great DBs. So whatever side he goes to, one of those DBs matches up. Now, Bill O'Brien can put him in the slot, get him off. I'm not sure how those guys cover in the slot. But they have two great DBs, one really great Bama receiver, advantage Cincinnati. Cincinnati offensive coordinator is in technically his last game as a Cincinnati offensive coordinator. Rumors been swirling around for a few days that he's going to go to LSU to offensive coordinate under Brian Kelly whenever the Cincinnati season ends. So this could be a situation where they beat Bama, scored 40 points, and then that offense arrives at LSU to play Alabama with better talent. Um, So this is kind of his first taste at the SEC because he'll coach this game. If they lose it, he gets on a plane and probably in Baton Rouge first or second day of 2022 to start recruiting for LSU uh, to get his offense up and running um, for Brian Kelly. If he beats Alabama, Bama has to face that same offense now with LSU's talent and not Cincinnati's talent. So this is a big game for the Cincinnati offensive coordinator. Um, And then coaching, head coaching. Saban's the greatest college coach ever, period. Urban Meyer's probably two, Barry Bryant's probably three. Argue with the order however you wish. Um, but Luke Fickle was a prime candidate for multiple jobs. And I do believe if Cincinnati does not make the playoff, he's not a Cincinnati right now. Um, Brian Kelly was willing to leave Notre Dame high and dry. If they would have got in, uh, he was going to leave it to Marcus Freeman ultimately. But Luke Fickle, I believe Cincinnati had lost at any point. They would not be in the playoff and he presumably would not be at Cincinnati. Notre Dame would have hired him away. LSU were interested as well. Uh, Florida State came calling. Oregon reportedly came calling. Miami came calling. So there was a lot of big jobs. USC touched base with them as well. Penn State, Michigan State all touched base when they were reportedly they lose their coaches to one of the jobs I've mentioned already. So he was a very hot candidate. He will be every hiring cycle till he eventually leaves Cincinnati. He's a very good football coach. His offensive coordinator, like I say, is going to LSU. So that, that tells you the level of coach he is. Nick Saban's Nick Saban. Bill O'Brien has had trouble at times calling a college game. He would call a lot of down-the-field professional-level routes. Um, and the offensive line would fold. They would get whooped. You know, that sort of thing. Same things would happen where it wouldn't work that way in the NFL, but it happens in college. Um, schemes would be off. 
Cincinnati's got a good program. Think about it. Two years ago, Marcus Freeman was there, um, D.C., because reportedly if Fickle would have went to Notre Dame, Freeman would have left Notre Dame to go head coach Cincinnati. So that tells you the level of program Cincinnati is. They're, they were, they're like Boise State a few years ago. Appalachian State even older than that, where they're a top-level FCS school or a top-level group of five school that can play. I'm going to say FCS, but Boise State was really up there for a few years. Um, and now the new school, the new it school of the group of five seems to be Cincinnati. So that tells you the level that Cincinnati program is at. But Nick Saban is Nick Saban. I mean, so the coaching is going to be very close. And quarterback advantage goes to Bama. Weapons advantage goes to Bama. Defense of personnel in the secondary advantage uh, Cincinnati. Defensive line advantage Bama. Offensive line split quarterback advantage. I got to say quarterback advantage Alabama. Coach advantage Bama, but not by much. Um, we'll see how the Cincinnati fan base travels. That'll be huge as well. Um, as far as winner, I've got Bama. I can't pick against Bama in this situation, but it would not be a blowout. It will be a close game. It will be five minutes left, one possession. You know, so 13 and a half is a big number, but I do believe Cincinnati will have the ball with four or five minutes left, and it's a seven-point game, and they have a chance to tie it, or a six-point game, or even a four-point game to take the lead. Um, so it'll be a very interesting game. Keep your eye on that one. And shifting to the game right after number three, Georgia versus number two, Michigan. Um, Bama and Cincinnati are playing in Dallas. Georgia and Michigan are playing in Miami. Um, This game is closer than Cincinnati and Alabama by a mile. This game is touching each other. I mean, they are... If the point spread is bigger than a point and a half, I will be absolutely uh, shocked if the point spread is bigger than a point because these teams are very close um, in terms of talent. They are right next to each other. The point spread for a seven and a half Georgia. Easiest bet of the day, people. Bet Michigan. That is the easiest bet of the week. Bet Michigan. Wow. Seven and a half? That's a massive number. Um, but Georgia's favorite by seven and a half with Michigan. I wouldn't have done that because let's go through the matchup. We did the matchups for Bama. We did the matchups for Bama Cincinnati. Let's do it for Georgia, Michigan. J- Jim Harbaugh, Kirby Smart. I've got Jim Harbaugh. I was, Jim Harbaugh is a better football coach than Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart has underachieved, in my opinion, every year. He's been at uh at Georgia. He's pulled in the his average recruiting class ranking over the past five years is number one. And this is the first time they've been in the second time they've been in the playoff. They lost to Bama in the championship game and two attack of Iloa's arrival. And now they're back again. Um But they, he's had the best players in the country on average and no titles to show for it. You look at Jim Harbaugh, his players are not the best players in the country. It's kind of hard to get them to Michigan versus Ohio State in the conference. And he's staring at an opportunity to knock off Kirby Smart. I've got Jim Harbaugh. He's proven it in the NFL. He's proven it at Stanford. He's proven it at Michigan. Um, So I've got Jim Harbaugh uh, over Kirby Smart. And now the big advantage or the big situation would be how does each offensive line hold up against the respective defensive units? Georgia's front seven is massive. 
literally they're very large humans but their secondary can be had they have massive people up front but their secondary can be had and we saw against bama side to side you can get around that georgia in their georgia edge because side to side and tempo can tire out those big boys and they do not get around the edge as fast you look at michigan side they're a little bit smaller and the linebacking core to help with side to side but if you come right at them and you can get to that second third level you can pop big runs because they are a little lighter um they aren't really running heavy traditional four three linebackers they're running kind of hybrid backers um that can hybrid between safety and linebacker if you didn't know what they were um so they can really get side to side and downhill but you can get a guard on them you can walk them back so that is a very interesting um which offensive line will hold up this game will have an old school feel. Michigan starting K. McNamara. He can play, but he's not special by any means. And Stetson Bennett, the former walk-on and starting for Georgia, we saw he played against Bama. He, it was rough. Uh, JT Daniels is out um, or unavailable. So uh, Bennett will start. Uh, Bennett is probably going to start anyway. But this game will have an old school fight feel. It'll be in a phone booth. It'll operate physically. Um, Harbaugh wants to run the ball. Kirby wants to run the ball. Those are two coaches that both want to play physical brands of football. I am very excited for this game. It will be a very physical game, a very um, physically taxing game for the um, for each other. They're going to be sore as hell to start 2022, um, but somebody's going to be sore as hell and smiling, and someone's going to be sore as hell and sad that their season is over. So uh, we would definitely keep an eye on that one. I will pick it. I've gotten Michigan. I've gotten Michigan winning this game. I think they're a better football team than Georgia. Seven and a half points is a massive spread, but I think the advantage will come in the home field. I think Georgia will travel a lot better than Michigan. Michigan travels, but Georgia's right there. They're playing in Miami, and Georgia is right there. Uh, obviously, Georgia and Florida share a border. It's Georgia's southern border, Florida's northern border. Now, can you drive from Athens to Miami? Probably. But probably everybody flying in. Uh, Michigan will travel. It's their first playoff appearance ever. Um, so they will definitely travel. But I have got Michigan winning this game close by three. Definitely not losing by more than seven and a half. I've got Michigan by three. But up next, we will jump to the NBA and talk about what's going down there. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to jump into the NBA because there has been a lot of storylines happening, including one happening right now. Uh, Los Angeles Lakers coach Frank Vogel has cleared health and safety protocols and will be coaching against the Portland Trail Blazers tonight, um, according to team officials. Um, so... Frank Frankie V is back on the sidelines for the Los Angeles Lakers. They have been coached in the interim by David Fizdale, well respected around the league, well liked by LeBron. Um, so Coach Fizz has been running the team. Um, Frankie V is now coming back. Um, so that is that. Um, but 
As always, when we start a new sport, we take a look at the standings. Uh, out east, we've got Brooklyn, Chicago, Milwaukee, Miami, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Charlotte, Washington, New York, and Boston would be the 10th seed. Um, and out west, we have Golden State, Phoenix, Utah, Memphis, Denver, Clippers, Lakers, Dallas, Minnesota, San Antonio would be the 10th seed. Um, so the NBA is providing us with a lot of storylines, a lot of drama, a lot of um, situations. And of course, the big one last night was KD versus Joel Embiid. They had damn near the same stat line. Joel Embiid went for 34 and 7, KD went for 33 and 6. Um, ultimately, the Sixers were able to beat the Nets, and then uh, KD and Embiid exchanged words at the end of the game and after the game, although they spoke very glowingly of each other in the post-game press conference. Um, and both attributed to competitive fire, but that's what we need in the East. The East used to be the trash-talking physical conference. That was the conference. They fought in the East. They had they had cool. They were swag. They were laid back in the West. It was showtime out West. It was running gun shoot the three in the west you know at the out east it was 89 86 it was so funny seeing the playoff games 10 years ago 15 years ago the east would be 89 86 and the west would be 110 108 you know that because the west was running and gunning especially if you had the suns they were seven seconds or less they were getting down the court getting up a shot before the, before the shot clock hit 16 um out east they were grinding the whole 24 for like every time um and so you know, now some of that Eastern physicality, that Eastern power, the Eastern swag is coming back. Joel Embiid's bringing it back. Giannis, that Nets team likes to talk. Uh, the Bulls can be an attacking team. Um, the Celtics, when they're good, they can talk. The Wizards are a talkative bunch. The Knicks are a physical defensive group. Um, so a lot of the powers that be out East, uh, even the Hawks have some physicality to them, or they feel more like a Western team than an Eastern team. Um, a lot of these teams, the power that be, you know, the Hornets talk, are physical trash talking teams, and so it was it was fun to see Joel Embiid and Kevin Durant, two seven footers, both with amazing skill sets. Kevin Durant is a seven foot guard. Joel Embiid is one of the most skilled bigs ever. Um, and it was great to see the both of them talking, jawing back and forth, getting physical, talking trash, and then after the game. All respect and love. Um, so that was pretty cool to see. And those guys are going to be fighting it out, in my opinion, for the Eastern uh, Conference Championship game. An East Conference Championship in the playoffs. Kyrie Irving has returned. The prodigal child is back. Uh, the Nets have lifted his ban, basically, allowing him to be a part-time player for the team. Um, he's still unvaccinated. As, and due to that, he will not be able to play in the following locations. The Nets, the Knicks, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Lakers, Toronto, uh, and maybe one other team. But he can't play most of the games. I think over the next three weeks, he's only eligible to play in one of them. Um, and so I don't know how this works. It feels rather impossible to me. Um, but... They're going to give it a whirl. Injuries and COVID, ironically, has given Kyrie Irving the path to get back on the floor. If the Nets were a good team, not dealing with any COVID situations or hurt, Kyrie probably never comes back. But he was uh, granted the right to come back by the team um, due to a myriad of situations and players being unavailable. 
uh, Rajon Rondo has been traded to Cleveland um, for he's been traded to Cleveland for um, Denzel Valentine, who expect who is expected to be waived by the um, by the Los Angeles Lakers upon arrival, freeing up a roster spot um, for the Lakers to sign whoever they want, basically, um, or trade and you know, get make some kind of trade. But free the brass spot for the Lakers. Um, so Rondo is heading to Cleveland. Remember the Cavs lost Rick Rubio Tuesday night, I believe, against the um, against the New Orleans Pelicans. Rubio Torres ACL. So it free it needs need to get point guard minutes. And the uh, Cavs quickly pivoted. Kobe Altman uh, quickly pivoted to getting Rajon Rondo, who has been sparingly used by the Los Angeles Lakers. A um, little bit of NFL news. Uh, Sean Mannion will officially start uh, against the Green Bay Packers. So Sean Mannion um, will start for the Packers. Um, but back to basketball, back to the NBA. Um, so Rondo is headed to Cleveland. Uh, Valentine will be a street free agent within the next 48 to 72 hours. Um, and Becky Hammond, who's quickly rolling up through the NBA coaching ranks. She's a WNBA legend. Um, she's gone from back of the bench coach, who doesn't talk. Now she's on the, she was on the front of the bench. Um, she coached the summer league team to a title for the Spurs, and many presume she may be the handpicked pop successor in San Antonio. Well, she has decided to take her talents back to the WNBA to head coach one of the, if not the most talented team in the WNBA, and that is the Las Vegas Aces. Um, she goes on a five-year deal, reportedly is the highest paid deal in league history for a coach. Um, she will finish the season with the Spurs, and then she will join the Aces after. Um, Spurs, even though they made the playoffs, they'll be done by May. The WBA season will start, so I wonder if it's starting to get around training camp. Will she attempt to do double duty? Um, or will she just straight up leave the Spurs? It'd be very interesting to see how that works. Um, but she is heading to the Aces, so she inherits Chelsea Gray. She inherits Asia Wilson, Liz Cambage. Uh, presumably Angel McCautry returns and she's on that team as well. That's a very good Kelsey Plum. That's a very good basketball team in the Aces. Many have picked them to win the title the past three years and they have so far 0 for 3. So Becky Hammond is looking to help put that team over the top. And the NBA has broken the record for the most players playing in a season. They've had over 580 players play, uh, many on hardship 10 day contracts because of COVID protocols. Um, and so the NBA has set a record. Even one third of the um, even one third of the refs in the league are in health and safety protocols, causing the NBA to call up G League refs um, to uh, officiate games. Because that is a situation that we have arrived in in 2021. And minor, decently major news: uh, LeBron James turned 37. So uh, he's the only man he's reached the he's the first person and the youngest person to reach the mile mark, the thousand mile mark, 2000, 3000 and so on and so forth in terms of points all the way to 34,000, which he did a couple games ago. Um, then he is the only person in the 34,000, 9000 rebound, 9000 assist club. He's the only person to do that. Um, many other accolades for LeBron. He turns 37, um, which his last stretch. He's second in the NBA in scoring. If he counted, he doesn't qualify just yet because he doesn't have enough uh, games played. But um, 
absolutely spectacular year 19 for him by far and away the greatest year 19 ever and the lake of the two game under 500 still struggling they look like a freshman basketball team half the time it is honestly a little bit ridiculous how un, how disjointed they look and it could be like it's probably a lack of chemistry because they're rarely together right now Anthony Davis hurt with an MCL injury um, so they're rarely together to ever get a, a continuity going, but they're going to have to figure that out sooner rather than later. I think LeBron carried him into the playoffs, but they're going to have to figure it out in the playoffs quickly because they're probably going to be a bottom four playoff seed, which means they're going to go on the road to start game one at a Golden State, at a Phoenix, at a Utah. Uh, it's going to be a very tough matchup for them to get through. But up next, we're going to shift to our best for last, which is going to be a thank you from me. guys and welcome back into uh the final show of 2021 on the last day of 2021 and um i just wanted to take best for last and thank all of you guys for listening um we've grown a lot this year it's been a great year um we've expanded two social media accounts so we started into the year with facebook with twitter and instagram and we have now expanded to facebook and tiktok um great for that uh, we've altered picture formats we've done all kind of changes we went viral twice really viral one time uh, with the Brian Kelly post which is nearing 3,000 people read 3 million people reached rather on Facebook uh, we went crazy viral um, hundreds of thousands reach on the Jameis Winston post uh, reporting his injury um, grown massively um, so huge thank you from me um, it's, it's funny hearing people in my life talk about they listen to my show. It's still a little odd, um, but seeing my posts with other people's timelines is still odd to me as well. Um, but huge thank you for me. We're gonna keep it going in 2022. I told you guys when I started the year, I wanted to go 52 for 52. That was 52 weeks, 52 shows. Um, so we did it. This was show 52 um, out of 52 weeks. We did it. So. Again, appreciate you guys for riding with me this year. Hope you guys had a hell of a 2021. Uh, I know this show is branded, so that's all thanks to you guys. So big appreciation to that. Um, and we're going to keep it going in 2022. Um, you know, I will make no decrees about 52 or 52 because, um, you know, things happen. And a lot. I had to move a lot. Uh, so things happen. I'll make no decrees of 52 for 52. Um, but thank you guys for helping me achieve it this year. Um, and we're going to keep it rolling. We're going to be back next week. Don't have no worries about that. Don't, don't be like, oh, the show's ending. Like, no, I will be back next week. Uh, don't worry about that. But I just want to take, again, this time to thank all of you guys uh, for riding with me in 2021 and helping grow the Just In Time Sports brand. Um, as always, like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Definitely follow the social media handle at JTime Sports. Uh, tell your friends. You will know for your friends do if you do not, but tell your friends, um, interact with me. I respond to messages and stuff like that. So definitely, uh, make that happen. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.